What separates a good anime from a great anime? Why do some animes stick with us long after we've watched it? Welcome to the workshop. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. We're two friends from high school and now aspiring writers, and in this podcast, we discuss and deconstruct storytelling elements in some of our favorite animes. Em and Chris watching another rom-com? Is this another review of Oron High School Host Club? Nope. Today in the workshop, we will be looking at one of the more recent breakthroughs in romantic comedy anime, Kaguya-sama Love is War. Now, we know that the second season for this show already came out this spring, but today we're only going to be covering season one of this show, which was adapted by A1 Pictures and aired last year in 2019. So, Kaguya-sama Love is War follows Miyuki and Kaguya, the student council president and vice president respectively of the prestigious Shuchin Academy. On the surface, they are admired by their peers and seem like a perfect pair. Kaguya comes from a super rich conglomerate family and Miyuki is a determined and driven top performing student. They both harbor feelings for one another, but each, ooh, feelings, love that. But each being too prideful and stubborn, neither wants to confess first. The show follows Kaguya and Miyuki as they plot elaborate schemes to try and get the other person to confess their feelings. Ooh. So spicy. So spicy. It's literally, it's literally about high school students. It's not that spicy. Uh, Yeah, here we are once again with a rom-com lovey-dovey show even though the last time we did it we were like oh my gosh never again never again never again right back here we are with our dumb antics we're back at it guys (laughs) but okay so yeah we're gonna go to our overall impressions Mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed this show Mm -hmm. like spoiler alert i really enjoyed it we really enjoyed it and yeah i mean like you said we just don't I mean, I don't really watch romance that often or even Slice of Life. Like, I don't really watch it. But this was so much fun to watch. Like, I was actually surprised at how much I liked it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you felt that too, but I was like audibly laughing while watching this show. Okay, when I watched the first two episodes, I sent a Snapchat to Chris with the caption being like, this show is so cringy, but I can't stop smiling. Yeah, like... You know when a show is like a comedy, but then you're like, you just laugh internally when you watch it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, this is funny, but I'm not actually like This is like, like laugh out loud. This is like actually like, <laughs> I was kind of dying. But anyways, yeah, I just, uh, I thought it was so, I, I think it's such a refreshing um, contribution to like the rom-com yeah. high school genre mm-hmm. in that um, it takes cliches and tropes that any viewer, I think, could probably recognize from other rom-coms right Mm. um but then it you know it deconstructs those tropes in a way that is so self-aware and taken to like comedic extremes and the reason that that works so well for the show is because it follows this like skit like format that's Mm -hmm. i guess reminiscent of like a sketch comedy and i think that's interesting yeah and i think that narrative choice works well for the style and the tone that the show is trying to achieve because i think if you think of any sketch comedy shows like 
SNL or whatever, the format is really to take a joke or a concept or something, and in this case, a romantic cliche, and just escalate it in really funny and clever ways and often absurd ways. And I think that's where the show excels in the way that it exposes and captures the absurdity of like being in love or I guess like having a crush and navigating emotions (laughs) when you're a teenager. So I like that the show um, purposely takes itself super seriously for comedic effect. Mm -hmm. But it also shows that like you know, I feel like that's purposeful because it it shows that teenagers take themselves so seriously. Oh, yeah, that's like, true. Ev- yeah, like everything when you're at that age really does feel like life and death. It really does feel like war. Mm-hmm. And I think the show is able to capture that feeling in a really entertaining way. And because of that, I feel like the writing does this really difficult but beautiful thing wherein like it's intentional absurdity. It's also able to create these genuinely relatable and resonant moments and Mm. I was just really able to relate to these characters so much and the way that they overthink every little thing (sighs) and create these super elaborate scenarios in their head of what they want to happen but Mm. it never actually happens because they're too freaking scared to act on their feelings so (laughs) oh I could see myself in these characters in like the worst way but I feel like that's what successfully makes it stand out stand out from other shows in its genre so Mm Yeah, I, oh my gosh, I completely agree. This is just a super cute story about how love can basically turn geniuses into absolute idiots. And it's presented in such (laughs) a way that is so like lighthearted. It's so enjoyably like entertaining. I think it's a show very much marked by like a duality almost because there are moments Mm -hmm. that make you cringe so hard but for some reason you can't help but smile and laugh and then also it's like you realize that the traits that really bring the two characters together or that make them compatible with each other are also the same ones that kind of like throw a wrench into their relationship right they're both very highly intelligent and resourceful but because of that because of that same thing they Mm -hmm. are so prideful and they can't be together and they're so stubborn about it yeah And then because you realize that they make it so (laughs) difficult for themselves, like they make it so frustrating that when they do get really, really nice moments together, it really makes you want to root for them. Like by the end of the series, I was like, oh my gosh, she hopped onto the back of his bicycle. Yes. (laughs) Like finally, I'm so happy Mm -hmm. for you. So that was really, really nice because Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to take a a genre that is known for being cliche and cringeworthy and, you Mm -hmm. know, there's so many opportunities, so much opportunity for failure um, and make it so that your viewers and audience root for your characters. Like, honestly, I think that's the the number one priority most of the time. For a romance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for your audience to feel like they want your characters to be together, which is great. Right. And, yeah. you know, the writer does a really great job of that. Um, I love this whole idea of love being like a quote-unquote war um, yeah. of, like, wits and intellect. Um, these two people who are so entrenched in their own form of, like, psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but it was, I think it was in the Fire Force episode. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, you know, the type of battle that I love the most are like intellectual yes, yeah. battles. Yeah. And I was complaining the whole time because I was yeah, like. Yeah, you're like, I need big brain, <laughs> galaxy brain I need, battles. Yeah. <laughs> I need big brain yeah. battles. And I feel like I 
got that from from the show. show. Yeah, <laughs> like I kind of got the, that feeling from watching mm-hmm. Kaguya scheme and like maybe that's why I liked it because maybe it's Loki is shown in like. <laughs> <laughs> their big brain galaxy brain battles you're so right like like taking that i didn't get that feeling from a shonen battle scene yeah, but i got that yeah. from this like rom-com shoujo <laughs> like i don't know yeah. i just thought it was so funny mm-hmm. um so yeah i i really i really enjoyed it it was really funny yeah. enjoyable lighthearted, but also but also meaningful i think i think it does mm-hmm. say some meaningful things yeah. about you know um, youth and romance. Uh, one thing that I did like about this romance in particular was that it's a little bit different in that we're already at a, by the time the show starts, we're already at a point where they already have feelings for each mm-hmm. other. And I find that most romance stories are focused on like, you know, them meeting and the, and the feelings that they go through realizing that they have feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. But this show is just like, we're past that. We're past that. They have feelings yeah. for each other. In real life, sometimes you just you just get a crush. Like you just get it already. It just right? happens. Like, it just happens. And like usually a lot of the stuff that goes in your like goes through your mind is like, how do I get this person to talk to me? And stuff like that. So I like that they just kind of streamlined that in this show. And we're mm-hmm. just we're already past that. We're right? kind of like dropped into the middle of the action and the drama as soon as we get here. Yeah. Because um and I know that we're not talking about, you know, any specific characters just yet, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to note that we hear stories about how Kaguya, like what she was like when she first entered school, and right. the Kaguya that we meet is very different than what she was like. So we're right. very much yeah. dropped into like the middle of her character development as well. Right, so it yeah. feels less like there's a there's a learning curve of sorts, I guess, that we have to overcome in terms mm-hmm, of plot mm-hmm. and character we can just kind of be like like we're dropped into the middle of it and we can just enjoy the the war <laughs> the yeah battle. and I think it's interesting that they I don't want to say that the show isn't focused on character writing mm. but what I mean by that more is like they they give you just enough writing for each character that you kind of know who they are for sure so like we know that Kaguya is this like rich girl who's very um, sort of on the surface she's kind of cold um, but she's also very like low-key kind-hearted and like cares about people mm-hmm. and is very innocent and like naive about things and lives a very sheltered life a very common rich girl thing right mm-hmm. and for Miyuki he's like a peasant kid at a very prestigious <laughs> like school like classic rich poor dynamic type thing mm-hmm. um, who like and his redeeming qualities that he works very very hard um, those are just like such common cliche yeah, character dynamics, sure. but it's kind of like these characters are a stand-in for the audience. Like, yeah, they're not supposed to be these like elaborate, like an emotional these, stand-in. Like, yeah, personally, I'm not mm-hmm. filthy rich and I'm not super smart, but yeah, you yeah, know, an emotional not, no, stand-in. but an emotional stand-in. Like, yes. they're just they're just there. They have just enough character writing yes. that they feel like real people, but they're mostly there so that the audience can just relate to them through the dumb stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I think that that really fits. Um, sort of the tone of the show that they're not trying to like make these super elaborate characters or anything Mm -hmm. that whole thing about like our characters being so hyperbolic in their like their status and wealth and intellect I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of like necessary to Mm. the storyline and to the story that the writer is trying to tell because 
right. it shows that like this these are the types of problems that the wealthy and the comfortable have <laughs> like if you're yeah. like trying yeah. to feed your family day by day mm-hmm. like I don't think mm-hmm. you would be so focused on some of the problems that right. they have right yeah that's and a then good also point. yeah and then also I mm-hmm. actually have this line that I found on Wikipedia about the show that mm-hmm. I thought was interesting um, about how the writer uh, Akasaka writes mm-hmm. the story. So it says, in developing a chapter or story, Akasaka would think about emotions first and then write mm-hmm. about experiencing mm-hmm. the emotions, mm-hmm. such as what Kaguya would feel if she were jealous. He would mm-hmm. then arrange the characters and events around that emotion. Right. That yeah. really makes sense, especially yeah. when we talk about how he doesn't revolve his writing around the characters. He more so revolves them around particular emotions or particular yes. scenarios, yeah. which is why the skit or sketch, you know, formula mm-hmm. and format really lends itself to that. Yeah. It's actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of think that, you know, that approach just works so well for this show because mm-hmm. by putting the emotion at the center of it it's like those feelings are like universal right mm-hmm. so you can really arrange any characters around any given um emotion if that's your starting point mm-hmm. i think <laughs> another like point that i really liked is that um the show has like it uses a narrator <laughs> i was just so, about to bring that up. it's so freaking funny point. to me i love the narrator like if anyone has watched like Mob Psycho, like it's <laughs> very much in the same vein That's as that. That's so true. I didn't. Even like, he even that. sounds like the Mob Psycho guy. I yeah. wonder. If oh, it's the same I wonder. If it's the same yeah, guy. we should have looked that up. But I know. Um. Yeah. So just like in the similar vein of like, there's literally a narrator like n- like narrating the actions of of the characters, and I think that that um aside from his comments just being hilarious, like it adds to the very like absurdist tone that the show is going for. Mm-hmm. And I think it almost creates this, you know, that that feeling of like, like I'm the main character of my story type <laughs> vibe, which I think yeah, yeah, is yeah. actually a great representation of how your life feels like when you're a teenager. Like, mm-hmm. I just felt like the the narrator often comes in and really elevates the comedy of the show by commenting on the ridiculous stuff that the characters are doing. The narrator basically is there to make fun of the characters. There is legit this psychological thing that I learned about in child psychology. I am mm. not a psychologist, but <laughs> I did learn about this one concept. I don't remember it's what it's called, but we literally, like teens literally will act like someone is watching them even if they're mm. alone. So it's it's actually like a psychological thing that almost all teens go through. Mm. Um, and also on that, like on a related note, it's kind of cute how this show like puts an effort to incorporate psychological things yeah. into it. Like <laughs> yeah, I remember it there's this one scene of Hayasaka being like, "This is what the id is. This is what the super oh ego is." I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's really bringing up Freud <laughs> in my <laughs> anime. In my- you really can't escape this man. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, this explanation is so wrong, but it's okay. Like literally, it wasn't even the correct use of like the id and the superego, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was just cute, but you know, I appreciate the effort. Yeah. I think that a lot of the driving force or the drama of the show comes from the characters like 
internal monologues, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the point of the show is um, sort of how much these characters are assuming things, yeah, and, like imagining things and creating these ideal scenarios and worst case scenarios in their heads. And um, that's sort of like how each skit goes is like back and forth between both of their heads. Mm-hmm. You sort of see how much like, like how much people assume things when they don't yes. talk you know what I mean <laughs> like they're, so, they're both such overthinkers and they're both uh-huh. stubborn and they're both driven and determined to make any situation bend in their favor mm-hmm. but they won't ever admit what yes. they ever want in any given situation <laughs> oh so they gosh, always have to, like, they're always <laughs> extrapolating what the other person is feeling and it's like more often than not like 90 percent of the time what they assume the other person is thinking or whatever mm-hmm. is like just incorrect. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's just like, oh my God, like I've never seen a depiction of teenagers more accurate than this show. Uh-huh. And it's and it's literally so dumb. But it yeah, I don't know. It was it's so great. It's so like centered around this the that whole like idea of miscommunication within yeah. relationships, but also like during the period of time when like leading up to and people two people actually start to date that feeling of that feeling of spending so much time energy effort into like thinking of what you're gonna say or like text to someone and then all you get back is like okay (laughs) (laughs) and you're like you freaking hate me me. (laughs) or or like that feeling of on the other side flipping it around wanting mm-hmm. to say so much more than what you said but not right. really finding the opportunity or the uh the right situation to do that and then yeah. you kind of worry like oh did I sound too distant do I sound too aloof it's like stop yeah. overthinking things I don't exactly remember which scene it was but there are there are like certain scenes where the characters like Miyuki and Kaguya will um be giving advice on something oh yeah and I think it's just funny, like, the way that, like, especially in the scenes where, like, Miyuki is, like, giving advice or something, and, like, he literally has, like, never been in a relationship before. Um, There's, like, some random student that, like, comes to him a couple times throughout the show for, like, Mm -hmm. relationship advice, and he's just, like, sitting there acting like he knows what he's saying. (laughs) And he's, like, he has, like, all of this advice and, like, wisdom to give, but he's, like, actually... He's probably like less qualified to know anything about relationships than the person that he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's me. <laughs> Isn't that all I, of us? Like, <sighs> do you ever feel like you're the advice friend? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, I always feel like I'm in a situation where my friend comes to me and it's just like, <laughs> um, honestly, like my boyfriend right now, like he literally <laughs> just like the way that his the punctuation of this text was just like really rubbing me the wrong way and I just like don't know how to feel and I'm just like semicolon that he added it's like (laughs) is he finished the sentence or is he not honestly I don't know and sometimes I'm like why am I the one answering these questions like I literally have no idea I have no idea okay so there's this point where Hayasaka says this line it's towards the end of the the season but she Mm -hmm. goes if either were open about their feelings they could both be happy but I envy them I wish I loved someone like that Mm. and I love this line it shows that they have the writers just have so much awareness surrounding Mm. what teenage romance is all about because I think that 
it's easy to look at teenage romance and kind of write it off as insignificant or absurd or an over-exaggeration. But for them in that specific moment, that love is their whole world. And as a teenager, yeah. that is like, that's a huge deal, you know? So mm -hmm. I love that it just shows that this like these writers have so much respect, or the mangaka is just one, one writer, yeah. has so much mm -hmm. respect for teenagers like we yeah. need more respect yeah. for teenagers <laughs> i agree mm -hmm. i was honestly like kind of I, I mean i didn't cry watching the show but i did get very emotional towards the end <laughs> where she's like she's looking forward to hanging out with her friends and like making all these memories and stuff like that and it's mm. literally just a small thing like she just really wants to hang out with her friends um but then she's like not allowed to go because it's like too dangerous or something because mm -hmm. of like i don't know she's i don't know rich people things <laughs> and i think the way that this is portrayed in that it's so devastating for her yeah like she literally like it literally like crushes her spirits and everything and like it's literally portrayed to be like an absolutely crushing mm -hmm. um experience for her to not be allowed to just go hang out with her friends and i think that that is Honestly, like, I like the way that they lean into that, to the drama of that, because sometimes it, it can feel like life or death for us. Like, I remember having moments as a teenager, too, where I was, like, not allowed to, like, you know, my parents wouldn't let me leave the house and, like, mm -hmm. how devastating that would be for me. Because when you're a teenager, those experiences of hanging out with your friends, making memories, like, this is my, these mm -hmm. are my teenage years, and I, I want to just go, like, hang out at the mall or wherever the yes. first. And when you can't go, you're like, oh, this really is the end for me. I'm really yes. never going to experience anything ever again. Like, <laughs> this is, like, a once-in-a-lifetime thing that, like, I'm super missing out on making these memories with my friend group. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh, I, uh -huh. I really, I really felt her devastation, like, in that moment. And I think there's, like, a lot of instances of that in the show where it's like you zoom out and as an adult you can be like why are you crying yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in the moment you're like if I was a teenager I would also be devastated I would literally or... die yeah at this at that scene in my mm -hmm. notes I wrote in all caps I literally hate this because yeah. <laughs> I like hate okay there's something about the the embarrassment and the humiliation of like being excited for something like oh, hanging yeah. out with your friends mm. and then finding out last minute that you're not able to go anymore and then you have yeah. to like explain to your friends why you can't go anymore like yes yeah oh my mm. gosh I just feel Man. for her <laughs> right like I just super I just felt that so hard <laughs> I almost feel like the there's there's also a bit of an absurdist depiction of high school itself in this show mm. mm -hmm. and throughout the show especially in the beginning and stuff like there's this like perception of like Kaguya and Miyuki as like you know the head of student council as almost being like these like not like royalty but like very revered yeah you know what I mean like yeah. it's it's like it's almost so exaggerated the way that they're like walking through the hall I mean you see this this is a trope within itself <laughs> but like they're just like oh my god like the, the president and the vice guys. president like <laughs> we stand like wow they're they're so cool yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's honestly like I see parallels with that in terms of like high school having like a popular crowd or oh, yeah, or yeah. even just like in stan culture with like people just like have these personas, right, that they mm -hmm. portray. I mean, these days, I guess, often online, but I don't know. People just like create like admire someone just for the image of who they are. And 
in the in the spirit of this show taking things to the extreme, it's like, yeah, if they weren't worshipped by the student body, right. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked, honestly. <laughs> you try to say yeah. that they're not the kings and queens of the school. But you know what's what also you, mean? <laughs> you know what's also so funny though is like they take their their jobs as student council like so yeah. seriously like yeah, again it's it's ridiculous so again it's ridiculous it's very <laughs> hyperbolic and why did they get such a big office yeah they have like literally like miyuki <laughs> has a freaking it's like a desk. desk desk like it looks like the desk in the white house or whatever yeah. like it's like an actual <laughs> oh my goodness again yes, it's fun. absurd but on purpose it's fun it's It's actually freaking funny yeah (laughs) it's funny okay great um let's dive into the characters yes so kaguya you know as mentioned before our characters are very well established um and there's not too much diving to do Mm -hmm. um however we do come to realize that she's you know she's a multifaceted character Mm -hmm. in that she's got her main personal personality trait which is she's super resourceful Mm -hmm. um she can be cold-hearted but her we learn that she's also got a soft side to her and that's kind of like the plot twist to her characterization Mm -hmm. and then also um her hubris ooh, ooh. <laughs> i wanted to use that word for She's for like, like oh yeah five up, uh... years since ap english <laughs> yeah. and i've never gotten to use that word until now yeah i was like she's whipping out that ap english vocabulary <laughs> so humor me um, uh, her hubris mm-hmm. being that she's like very stubborn to a fault to the point where she gets her in her, in her own way mm-hmm. and then later on in the series when she is helping Ishigami study, for example, right? right um, yeah. So he won't fail his finals. And mm-hmm. she kind of stands up for him in the library in response to some girls in the library at the time who were kind of like spreading rumors about him and bad-mouthing yeah. him. And I just, I like those moments because they demonstrate um, like a fortitude or like a steadfastness. Mm-hmm. I said in my note, notes, steadfastness, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost like a healthier representation of this same stubbornness that she has yes um and in the way that she is able to like stand up for other people instead Uh of just standing up for herself yeah I really liked that well first of all I think one of the things that I liked about the dynamic of Kaguya and Miyuki is that I don't know I find that with shoujo not that I know that much about shoujo but (laughs) in general I find that when it comes to these like romances like it's usually with when it's specifically with the rich poor dynamic it's often oh right it's often the guy that is rich and the girl is poor so yeah and i do like that in this show there's like a reversal of that where kaguya is like the rich one and she's not like a mean rich person <laughs> like no it's just she's kind of reserved and mm-hmm. um doesn't quickly open up to people and stuff like that but she actually has a very kind heart and she doesn't um care about you know things like status or wealth or anything like that so Mm -hmm. she's so quick to um help ishigami not fail his exams and she's really quick to help this random little girl like what like walk her to school there's (laughs) actually i saw in my notes now i actually wrote down this lot do you remember she sees she's okay this is the skit so kaguya (laughs) is she's 
excited to walk to school for the first time. She usually gets driven to school. But for some reason that I can't remember, she has to walk to school or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she's walking to school and she's excited because... Wait, sorry. The reason why she has to walk to school is because they find a cat in the car. Oh, right. Yeah. She she planned this. She planned this. that is... It's so freaking random. And also, like, if she's rich, wouldn't she have another car? (laughs) This is like their only car. It's like a limo. Like, the only car they own is a freaking limo. limo. Are you kidding me? Okay, anyways. Yeah. So she's planned this elaborate scheme um, to walk to school because she wants to, like, run into Miyuki. (laughs) Which also is just so funny. <laughs> she's like mapping out his yeah, route to school. Exactly. So, anyways, so she's excited and she like she wants to be able to catch him on his route. But then she sees this like little girl crying. She goes, <laughs> she goes up to the girl and she's like, "Briefly tell me what the problem is." <laughs> and I actually had to pause and laugh because I was like, "That's so funny." Because, but I think it's also great character, a, a great character moment because it's like she's clearly going out of her way to help this kid, but it's Mm -hmm. also like in her personality to just be very blunt and straightforward (laughs) and matter of fact. So yeah, I like that she has all these other character moments where you can clearly see her kindness and you can clearly see that she's, you know, she's, yeah, she just doesn't care about wealth and status and stuff like that, which would Mm -hmm. make sense that um, she really admires Miyuki for his, determination for how hardworking he is because we've established that that's just the kind of person that she is and that she values those qualities more than anything else okay so let's move on to our male lead Miyuki 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 is hmm, I thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. that Kaguya's I guess you can say main fear, not really a fear, but her main concern is to get Miyuki to confess and, you know, to like her back, whatever. Yeah. But Miyuki's main fear is uh, to not be the focus of Kaguya's condescension. He has this, like, recurring Uh, and, like, nightmarish image of (laughs) Kaguya, like, looking down on him, be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, like, like, you're so adorable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think it's interesting that that is his main concern mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of being, um, oh, like, I want her to, like, fawn over me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It goes to show his, like, his, like, self-esteem issue because I think that yes. he does have a problem with the keeping up of his image. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Like, I think the reason I like Miyuki so much is because... Um, yeah, I think it's that element to his character that really makes sense for his character. Because if you think about Mm -hmm. it, he's literally, he's the president of student council of this very prestigious academy, like Mm -hmm. private school, as in like rich, rich, rich people go to this school. (laughs) And he's literally just like this, you know. Commoner. He's this commoner, literally. He's literally just like your average person. That's basically. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally Oron, guys. No, I'm kidding. Um. So I I like that idea of of his character being explored in the context of like imposter syndrome almost or like yeah. being so obsessed with maintaining his image because mm-hmm. he, because for everyone else like if you're if you come from like a rich privileged background you know naturally you have other things that you can fall back on in life but right. when you're someone like him it's like for, you do have to work twice as hard for everything right mm-hmm. um and I think that this is very well represented um, 
very well represented in the volleyball skit in episode five. <laughs> That's my favorite skit. It's actually my favorite skit. There's this one skit where Miyuki is trying to basically learn how to properly play volleyball because <laughs> he's so bad at it. He's so bad at it. So he's like by himself trying to learn how to properly, you know, hit the ball over the net and everything like yeah. that because yeah. he knows <laughs> he knows that the next unit that they're covering in PE in gym <laughs> class is volleyball. So he's li- literally planning ahead because he doesn't want to be he doesn't want his classmates to see how bad he is at bad. volleyball. <laughs> yeah. So he's so so bad that like he has to like enlist Chica's help um to basically like she has to like help him out with his volleyball. Anyways, yeah. there's this like there's this like long elaborate like montage of like her like basically drill sergeant training him how yeah. to like serve and like he's so bad at it. And like by the end of the whole montage or whatever, um we see that he's able to like really hold his own like in volleyball class or in gym class. And mm. all and the reaction by his peers is like, oh my God, Miyuki. Oh my gosh, the president so, is so good the at everything. Is so good at everything. Like of course he's of course he also knows how to play volleyball. And to me I was like, this is so like relatable because (laughs) i think like we work so hard sometimes to Mm -hmm. just to like maintain a certain persona right like Mm -hmm. i mean i felt this all the time in university was like imposter syndrome i feel like um the perception that a lot of my i feel like a lot of my university friends have of me is that like i'm i'm a hustler i'm a grinder like i always hear those comments and like they actually don't sit with me very well sometimes because Mm. like I don't know like sometimes it just it it goes to show how much like you don't really see how much work someone puts in to get to where they are Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. and I think like another example of that is like sometimes I when I see writers who are like 20 years old and like already have like their debut novel out or something people always say the first novel that you publish is definitely not the first novel you've written Mm-hmm. Because it takes so much time and practice to get to that level of skill. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, I'm sitting here at, you know, the ripe old age of 22. <laughs> and like, I haven't finished like a fully, I haven't finished a manuscript. And there are people <laughs> out there who are like 18 years old and they're like, yeah, I'm yeah. working on like my seventh novel draft. And I'm just oh like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyways, that was like my little rant. But I love me. <laughs> I think that I just, Maybe even more than Kaguya, sometimes I like just really related to his mm-hmm, trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to Best Girl <laughs> Chica. <laughs> She's so funny. Oh God, Best Girl Chica. Okay, what to say about Chica? So <laughs> I think that from a character interaction point of view, mm-hmm. you can really see the student council room as this like its own contained environment where the main drama is playing out between Kaguya and Miyuki. Yeah. And Chika presents herself as this element of chaos. And she oh just God. throws, she's just like thrown into the midst of this war. Yeah. This like battle between the two main uh, characters. And mm-hmm. she just throws it into a riot. She's so, she's so unpredictable. She's literally chaotic. But at the same time, She's also kind of like a mysterious character in mm-hmm. that she comes across as very airheaded, optimistic, kind of shallow sometimes. Yeah. But there are like moments where we learn that she's 
actually very smart. She's mm-hmm. insightful. She's kind of manipulative. Like it's almost like in this weird way that she brings a certain like maturity yeah. to the conversation, which is so yeah. it's like so crazy because she's actually the most like chaotic character on the screen. Uh-huh. I actually think that um, in terms of like that core quartet, those four main characters, like I think that there's a really good mix of personalities. Um, and so Chica is kind of that character that often brings the the levity or the lightheartedness mm-hmm. and, the, and the brightness to any given scene. Mm-hmm. And also it's like conspiracy theories. Like, is she doing all of this on purpose? Right, like, does she actually yeah. know what's going on the whole time? Yeah. Like, she's just, yeah, she is know, kind of like enigmatic purpose. in that way. But actually, I think another thing that I also like is that it's just like, it's just great to have another main character girl on the screen who's not like a rival or anything like that she's never vying for Miyuki's affections like she's literally just like she's just Kaguya's friend and she's just a little chaotic and when she is seen as a rival like in Kaguya's mind it's um it's done to make fun of that trope I feel yeah and that's the feeling that I I think it's also done to show that like how ridiculous it is like or yeah. like how much like Kaguya is like overthinking every little interaction. So it's yeah. supposed to feel like ridiculous. Next, yeah. best boy, you Ishigami. <laughs> Ishigami is so oh my god. So basically, okay, honestly, I was kind of confused slash a little bit skeptical about his character introduction first because I was really confused as to why his character was being introduced for the first time in episode six, right. which is literally midway through the season. Yeah. Now I'm of the opinion that this his inclusion was a stroke of genius. Um, still, <laughs> still confused as to why he was introduced late, but I'm glad that they, you know, better late than ever. I'm glad that they introduced him in the end Mm. uh because i think that his character brings a lot to the table in terms of what he contributes to the main cast yeah um first of all it's nice to have a second male lead Mm -hmm. he's a male lead but he's not a love interest he serves as this great character foil for both chica Mm -hmm. in like personality because i think that they bring similar things to the table in terms of you know being elements of chaos and of comedic relief yeah Yeah, comedic relief unpredictability but in terms of personality he's a great character foil for her and then he's also a great foil for our two main characters in that as we said he brings this he also brings this element of like naivete and like quote-unquote denseness that's very comedic yeah comedic way Mm -hmm. and honestly i did feel like the main cast of three the original three already felt pretty cohesive by themselves like yeah i didn't think that they needed another character but i did feel like the inclusion of ishigami's character made the vibes in the council room feel more family-like right yeah like you, you have like your see... weird cousin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when you get to see like the four of them on screen at the same time oh my God, in the yeah. same room together, it it feels very familial and yeah. you know, it feels really really nice and I think that that writing of the family I that idea of family among friends or among a wayward squad, squad yeah. is very mm-hmm. do- it's done very well in anime in general. Yeah. Yeah, I really like his character. Me too. Like, I think that he is just like, he's just one of the funniest characters. And like, to have him enter at episode six is very interesting because like, by episode six, you're halfway through the season. 
and the viewer is comfortable with all of the characters that are on screen. We've kind of established the the vibe, the routine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then to have this like fourth character come in as a main character is just like really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a there, towards the end, I think it's episode 10. There's like this moment where like Ishigami and Miyuki are talking and like he's kind of like giving his opinion on the situation or whatever. Yeah. And there are there are other moments in the show where this happens where I feel like Ishigami almost has like his his outlook on a situation or like his opinions about women sometimes like <laughs> they like they're like kind of outdated or they feel very stuck in like negative gender roles so like even when he makes comments about like chica's chest versus or maybe it's kaguya's chest or something like that like yeah um it's like it's like oh my god like ishigami it's so cringe <laughs> but i think like i like that it's supposed to be portrayed as intentionally immature and also the fact that he like He's not just some emo kid with like no emotions either. Like the oh, fact yeah, that he no. gets pretty passionate over things like like anime and manga. Yeah. <laughs> or like <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, I just think that we should like tax couples on sports oh teams because it's like yeah. they don't deserve happiness because they already have a girlfriend. <laughs> oh I was my like, God. you know what? Sometimes I think that too. <laughs> that was literally me. Side note, that was literally me when I when I lived in Seoul, South yeah. Korea. Oh, I don't yeah. know if any of anyone has been to this. Seoul, South Korea, but like there are couples everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's a couple. If you think you've seen love PDA, if you think you've seen PDA, go to go to Korea. Go to Korea. You haven't seen PDA. So in the beginning, it used to like be like, oh, there's a couple. But then yeah. like it's like 60 days later and I'm like, I hate that couple <laughs> simply for existing. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Anyways. Um, let's talk about, I guess, the plot towards the end. Right. Because so, there is the plot. The bed situation. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So, you know, I liked the situation actually i think that it presents two sides that are just not well communicated yeah and i can see from both sides actually why both sides would feel like this is an unfair unjust situation they get the characters to ask other people for advice this time yeah. because this yeah. there's this whole like idea of them always being the ones to give advice because people see them as this like uh the, the heights of relationship mm-hmm. success. Um, so it's just nice character growth, actually, to see them be able to ask and yeah. confide in other people. And the editing of that segment is very, is structured in a very interesting way where it's like, mm-hmm. even though the guys and the girls are in separate places at, I assume, separate times, it it's there's like this back and forth to it where yeah. it seems like they're talking and debating directly with each other even though they're apart um, because they both have valid and reasonable voices and opinions to right. to bring up. Yeah. Um, what did you think about it? I thought it was, again, I, what I found really interesting about this is that they both extrapolate things from the situation without directly talking to each other and then so when they go and seek out advice from their friends or whatever um it's like they're telling their whoever they're talking to like so i think like miyuki's talking to ishigami and kaguya's talking to some girl um 
and they're they're both like telling their side of the story but also on both sides they don't completely have all of the information the yeah mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like misinformation happening which i think is like so true when you're like giving when you're in an advice session with a friend and you're just telling your side of the story and they're like oh my god yeah like wow like I totally see where you're coming from because it's like they don't have all of the information in any given like situation um but what I I thought was interesting there was like in Kaguya's mind she's upset that Miyuki allowed himself to be pulled in bed and then in Miyuki's mind, it's like, why is Kaguya upset? I li- like, I literally didn't touch her. Like, I didn't do anything. And like, that's what anyone is supposed to do uh-huh. when they're in bed with someone, right? And then on the flip side, though, there's this like deeper element of Kaguya being like, yeah, but why didn't he touch her? <laughs> <laughs> I literally, yeah. Okay, that moment when it was revealed that yeah. the reason why she was upset Mm-hmm. was because he didn't do anything. Yeah. And to her Well, it was, was both like, of those things though. Like she was yes. she was upset that he got into the bed, but then she's also yes. but that he got into the bed and then didn't do anything because it's like he yes. doesn't like which I was is like, like blown du- away. Because this is <laughs> this is the kind of underlying thought I feel like that people have, but they never want to voice it because it's like, you know, people don't want to come across as like thirsty, I guess, yeah. or like desperate. And then there's also like it's also like, do you really want that to happen in a situation where you're not explicitly giving consent? Yeah. So like, there's a lot of, yeah, it's a very layered situation, but I completely uh-huh. understand where she was coming from. But it was a very well written climax. Yeah. For a show that hinges itself on um, accurately and also, also comedically, but meaningfully portraying emotions that come in a relationship and like mm-hmm. just the conflicts and the miscommunication, I think that this was a very good climax climactic scene to have yeah and i think what i liked about kind of we get to see the aftermath of the situation right yeah and you sort of see them like are like not arguing but there's a weird tension between them yeah because there's something that's that has happened that they just like haven't talked about that they haven't addressed Mm -hmm. and you sort of see how that um snowballs into um i think like the episode opens up and they're like arguing over a piece of cake or something like that (laughs) That was so cute. Yeah, and it's just, like, the smallest thing. And I think that's very true in the way that, like, when we don't, like, communicate, (laughs) we Mm. often, like, create these, I don't know, like, these, like, wrong assumptions or, like, perceptions Mm -hmm. in our head of a given situation just because we don't talk it out. Um, And isn't that what teenagers do, too? Oh, 100%. Something happens, happens and then it's like nobody wants to talk about it oh, and so there's just this yeah. tension in the air and it's like always on the back of your Exactly. Mind. And I think another thing that happens a lot is that like you hear things through your friends. So for example, yeah. like there's a moment like I think after the bed situation is happening while they're still in the middle of their fight or whatever where Chica or someone is like, "Oh, like I think she got sick cuz she was standing out in the rain waiting for someone." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, for Miyuki, that actually reframes a lot of things in his mind because it was like, oh, did she get sick, like, waiting for me? And so Uh it's like he kind of, like, for him, that kind of, like, softens the situation a bit for him. And it's not even a direct conversation that they have to each other. It's just, like, something they hear through their friend or, like, yeah. It's just, like, Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it's a surprisingly layered show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Okay, and then... 
Um, we'll talk about the finale. Just before we talk about the actual finale with yeah. like, the fireworks and stuff, there's just... I just want to talk about this whole narrative of two people really, really wanting to see each other and talk to each other. Yeah. And just barely missing each other. Yeah. And there's something about this Kimi no narrative. Did someone say Kimi no Nawa? <laughs> Shut up. Did someone say Kimi no Nawa is my favorite movie? <laughs> there, listen, listen. There's something about this narrative of two people just yes. barely missing each yes. other that gets to me, and I don't know why. Right. And so they both go through this entire summer being like, oh, I want to see him, and I want to see her. So they, mm-hmm. they go to the student council room in the summer. Mm. That moment got me emotional. Like, the way that they yeah. the editors would, like, frame the two of them making their way at the same time to the council room as if they were going to see each yeah. other. And they arrive, and the room is empty because they just missed each other. Yeah. It's like It's like when two people are so close. You are so close to being together. Right. If you would just say something mm. or do something, and it's like my heart. <laughs> I know. I think it's like, <laughs> yeah, that moment really got to me too. I think because it's like that element of they want it so much. We want mm-hmm. it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and the solution to it feels so simple if they would just text mm-hmm. each other to mm-hmm. hang out, but you know <laughs> that they won't. And they know that they won't because they're, mm-hmm. they, mm. people just don't want to be honest <laughs> about their feelings, right? Like, it's yeah. so scary to admit that you have feelings for someone. Like, what? Admitting that you want to, <laughs> admitting that you want to, like, hang out with the person you like? Like, what? <laughs> Crazy. I could never. I could never do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think about the finale, the fireworks finale? The this finale scene actually happens in Kaguya's point of view, right? Mm-hmm. So we see her trying, like basically escaping her house. Mm-hmm. And we see her like running to try to reach the fireworks. And then she like bumps into Miyuki. And Miyuki fa- has like when he realizes that Kaguya can't come, you know, just like drops everything to go and find her and make sure yeah. that she goes and sees the fireworks. Um, <laughs> and which is just like the most anime thing you've ever is isn't that the most anime sentence I've ever said on this yeah, yeah, anime yeah, yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. He drops everything. he drops everything to make sure she goes to see the fireworks. <laughs> like, okay, calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when we're seeing it in her POV, it's it feels like this huge like romantic gesture moment. It feels mm-hmm. very chivalrous. Mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. cathartic. Like. My heart was pounding. Yep. I was almost crying. Like it was like it was that level of like emotional intensity. Yeah. Where I was hooked. And like the the squad piles into a taxi and they're like, you know, step on it. We gotta go see the fireworks. And, you know, it's not <laughs> over yet. And then there's just like this beautiful scene of them on this bridge. And then the fireworks are like yeah. in the sky. And then I literally wrote in my notes like this shot of Kaguya looking at Miyuki oh my God. is so pretty. I can't. It's very pretty. I can't. And I love it. yeah, so I really love that. I really love that scene. Um, and I really like that this is kind of the first moment in the show finally where we see that they're they're both being being vulnerable to each other. And then <laughs> that the scene passes, right? And we we like cut to the next day or like we cut to the start of the new semester. And then we finally cut to Miyuki's point of view. And he's thinking back on the exact same scene. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like cringing so hard. He's like, why did I say that? Like, and he's like cringing at like the dramatic words that he used or whatever. Yeah. And I just found that it was so hilarious the way that like you just switch like point of view and immediately the whole situation is reframed into <laughs> reframed from a drama to a comedy. Like it was so <laughs> clever. It was so yeah. clever. It was so mm-hmm. like satisfying. Going back to the whole dramatic scene of her trying to escape her house and stuff. Yeah. Just diving into like symbolism or like motifs a little bit. I think that they try. I actually think that the writers intentionally try to make being in a car versus going on foot like that the contrast between those two methods of transportation they try to like use that to say something Mm. because the whole idea of her having been stuck in traffic on her way to see the fireworks and then her being kind of like you know what screw it and then leaving the car it's kind of like she finally learns to take matters into her own hands right yeah um and despite taking the longer way there because sometimes i feel like you know, sometimes you're you're taking a vehicle and you're just confined in this way of life that, that you think is just just the only way there is. Mm. Um, and it might be, you know, the faster way or it might be the more comfortable way. But sometimes I think that when you find that you've hit a point in your life where that way or that method of transportation of getting to your destination doesn't work for you anymore, you kind of have to take right. things into your own hands, mm-hmm. leave that, and just go on foot. Even if that's that means, you know, it's going to be harder or it's going to be a longer path. But yeah. it's about how you get there, you know? Right, exactly. And then there's this other moment when she's almost there and um, she has this line. She says, all summer, the only thing I've been thinking about is how happy I would be if I got to gaze at those beautiful fireworks together right. with my favorite people and how wonderful it would be. God, so she like mm. brings up this plea to God, this summer, I don't need love. I don't need romance. At least let me be together with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I guess in the end, it's like Kaguya's character development, it doesn't accumulate in the realization that she like i don't know like she ends up with miyuki or whatever right, yeah. it culminates in this realization that there's nothing better than just being with the people that you love right like yeah. there's nothing better than that and mm-hmm. that's the i think that for me that's the climactic moment of the entire series the mm-hmm. yeah you, her coming to realize that like I'm I'm putting up these walls and I'm letting my pride get in the way for what? Like I'm not <laughs> getting anything that I want. Yes. The only thing that I want is to just be with those who I love. Not even just like Miyuki. Like Miyuki plays a huge role right. in her yeah. motivations and in her desires and in her life. But she wants to be with Chika, her best friend. Yeah. She wants to be with Ishigami, who she's like stands up for, who she cares so much about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that's what, there is to live for and I think that I resonate with that a lot too because you know I feel like people really get caught up with like the ideal relationship oh my god yeah it's like I don't know I'm of the opinion where it's like I just want to be with the people who I love and who I care for I don't care if it's like in a romantic way or in like Mm -hmm. as if I like care about them then I want to be around them that's that and period like and that's that's the end of that the end I agree. So I really like that moment. Me too. And I think that what might be a common theme for me when it comes to stories that are like quote unquote romances is like 
of course, like you want a, a good romance narrative. You want to be able mm-hmm. to root for the characters. But what I've found in all of the romance stories that I like is that um, what's more important almost is like the like almost the people that are around those main characters. Mm-hmm. It's it's like because even with when we were talking about Oron, like the reason that like I actually enjoyed Oron like what what I was saying was that it it actually turned out to be way less romance focused. Mm-hmm. Um it it turned out to be more of an exploration of like friendship and like love in general. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's the same thing with this show is that like it doesn't just have a like heart throbbing romance at the center of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's it really does feel like this ensemble cast, this like little family where like everyone feels like like everyone feels important right like yeah they're the dynamic as a whole feels important where everyone is affecting each other in very significant mm-hmm. and meaningful ways and I mean I'm always saying like we need to have more stories that like uplift stories of friendship friendship mm-hmm. and like that aren't so romance driven because like yeah, I resonate with those stories sometimes like way more than like romance itself. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, no, the romance driven plots are interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I can see the appeal. I think that the inclusion, as you said, the inclusion of this uplifting of mm. friendship and like relationships in general, is mm-hmm. it, it makes it seem so much more meaningful. Yes. Um, that's what it is which makes it you know so much more appealing to other audiences who are looking for maybe a little bit more than just the romance aspect exactly so for our next segment we will be doing the Bechtel test Mm -hmm. Um, If you're unfamiliar with the Bechtel test, this is a test that was devised by a cartoonist named Alison Bechtel that is basically used as a measure of female representation in media. Um, So the test is comprised of three questions. Um, Number one, are there at least two named female characters? Mm -hmm. Number two, do they speak to each other? And number three, do they speak to each other about something other than a male love interest. Mm-hmm. So, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it passes. This is so exciting. Like it, it does pass. Yeah, I always get so excited when, like, we do the test and it passes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the female characters. Yeah. We talked a lot about Kaguya, Chika. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have too much to say about them, just yeah. aside from the fact that it's, like, you know, they're – well one of them is the titular character so like yeah. i would be really upset <laughs> yeah if uh mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot to say about kaguya which we did which mm-hmm. i'm glad mm-hmm. and then chica you know best girl i have no complaints about these two characters yeah what do you think yeah no i think they definitely pass i like that they're they're best friends and like that's kind of mm-hmm. it they don't ever like they're not rivals they don't really mm-hmm. talk about relationships that much Mm-mm. Um, which is just so refreshing. It's just really refreshing to have like two girls on screen that just like hype each other up. Like they're <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like they're never like bringing each other down. And I would say that with Hayasaka too. Like Hayasaka's always mm. like, I mean, she's she's Kaguya's maid, but she's also like, I almost feel like she's a like family to her. 
Um, mm-hmm. And just like the way that she like really goes out of her way to, you know, almost be a voice of reason to Kaguya sometimes when she's like caught up in her feelings and everything. I think that, okay, honestly, I have no real complaints about the writing of the female characters. Yeah. I think that it's okay that Hayasaka doesn't get too much character depth because she doesn't play that big of a role in this in right. the story. Yeah. So I think it's fine. Chika and Kaguya, honestly, like I'm happy with their character writing. Mm-hmm. I think the only gripe that I can think of, maybe it's a small one, is that the girls feel very cookie cutter. As right. in, yeah. Kaguya is supposed to be your super intellectual, resourceful main character, protagonist, female character. Mm-hmm. And Chika is supposed to be your, you know, preppy, optimistic, outgoing, sunshine yeah. girl. Yeah. And Hayasaka is supposed to be the cool, calm, collected one. Yeah. So it's very much, they very much do incorporate their own, like, archetypes and tropes right. that they're trying to convey. Yeah. But at the same time... I say that it's a minor gripe. It's a minor complaint because mm-hmm. I do think that the purpose of the characters in this series is that you're trying to get people to relate to them exactly. on a basic level yeah. and you're not focused on making com- complex and layered characters. So yeah. that's, you know, it's fine. Um, but obviously, like, it would still be nice to have complex layered characters right. as layered as Kaguya. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? They serve their purpose. So it's like, whatever. I'm happy. I, I agree. Yeah, like I think that it's – I always say like it's totally fine for stories to use cliches as long mm-hmm. as they don't feel like super shallow or contrived or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm like – I did not go into this show like expecting or needing like breaking like narrative <laughs> ground here with character yeah. writing. So yeah, I'm happy mm-hmm. with where they're at. I think they they broke ground honestly with the comedy. Like oh I my think god, that- yeah. There yeah. is one to make a show extraordinary. Mm-hmm. There should be one aspect that it absolutely excels in, and I just think that for this mm-hmm. show, it's the comedy, not the character writing. Yeah, for sure. Like I think the way that I view any like storytelling these days is like when I'm deciding like how I want to rate it or like how I feel about it is like yeah. what did the what did the writer set out to do? Mm-hmm. What did they set out mm-hmm. to say? What genre are and they? How well did they do exactly, it? and how, and what genre are they trying to work with? And like, it's not a character drama; it's like a rom com. So, I think it 100% excels in that mm-hmm. regard. Shall we go to the next segment? To the next. It's always because I'm so nervous. Go to the next segment. Yo, I hate that. Why did your voice like vibrate? Because I, it was like like your body was like rejecting it. Listen, I'm so nervous about this segment every single time. Oh, every single time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Now it's time for dumpster fire. Oh hell Um, yeah. So dumpster fire is when we can just say whatever we want. Yeah. Anything that wasn't said before. I don't even have like a scripted introduction to the segment. I literally just say whatever. I don't think we ever script our (laughs) intro or or transition to dumpster fire. Absurd or hashtag relatable. We created this specifically for this episode. (laughs) This episode. I'm so So excited. (laughs) We've come to realize that a lot of these um, I guess like scenarios and sketches that they cover in Love is War is very relatable, but also sometimes it's kind of just like ridiculous. So, so ridiculous. 
We're going to go through a list of some of them. Yes. And we're going to just kind of admit ourselves. If we find that particular scenario <laughs> absurd or hashtag relatable. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I guess I'll start with the first one. Okay, yeah. On our, on our list. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one is asking for each other's line ID slash number. <laughs> so the whole situation is Miyuki gets this new phone and mm-hmm. Kaguya is kind of just like waiting for him to ask her for Oh her my number. God. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Relatable. <laughs> I love that. Okay. The reason that I said relatable Yes. Um, is not because I've actually been in this situation, but more because if, I don't know, I just like, I could totally see myself doing that, you know? <laughs> like, yes. I could totally see myself being like, not wanting to ask for someone's contact info or ask for their Instagram or something. And this is for mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. meeting new friends too. Mm-hmm. Because like, you don't want to seem too eager. Or like, you don't know if the other person like, is on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why I think it's it's relatable because I don't think I've actually ever been in a situation where I have asked for someone's social media or um mm-hmm. or phone number or whatever first. Mm-hmm. The reason why I said absurd, I do understand the sentiment and I feel like I I find the sentiment relatable. Yeah. I'm like more comfortable actually over text than I am talking on the phone sometimes actually right, right, right. so i i like prioritize getting pe- somebody's contact uh number or whatever mm. so and in my mind it's just like if i'm not going to ask for it or if i'm not going to put myself in a situation where it's easy for me to get it or whatever mm. um then i'm never going to talk to this person yeah <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> so for me it was i i said absurd cuz i think that in that situation i i don't know i'm just the type to be like Oh, give me your number. Right. Like, it's yeah. like not a big deal. Like, I want to stay yeah. in contact. I think that's you know? honestly, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's, like, you being an extrovert and me being an introvert. Like, <laughs> You know what? I think so. Too. Yeah. It's just, like, we see two different <laughs> yeah. sides of the same situation. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Next one. Being close to your crush's close circle. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to word it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, basically, in the in the episode it's like kageya uh, k- wow i was gonna say kageyama <laughs> holy crap my brain just like what anime are we doing it just like your brain just like reset to its like default state and it was just like it was like Dumpster buffering fire? it was like buffering <laughs> like a computer and it was like, oh, reset, reset, Kagayama, Kagayama. Anyways, in the episode, yes, um, Kagaya is like, oh, like I'm gonna get really close to Miyuki's sister <laughs> so that we can like hang out all the time and like yeah. I can get close to his family. Yeah. Okay, ready? <laughs> okay, three, two, one, relatable. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> okay, Kagaya spends this whole like you know, half this skit basically trying to get close to his little sister. And yeah. she's like running through all of these like situations that like they could become close. And then mm-hmm. like Chica just walks in and is like, oh, hey, like, hey, Kay. <laughs> and like, and then Kage just gets like really jealous because like Chica's already friends with her, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then Kaguya starts like sulking because she's like jealous of like the way that they're like already friends. And she's like, Chica, like, oh my God, like, ugh, like what a traitor. Like I I hate her for this. And then and then like two seconds later, Chica's just like, Oh, do you want to hang out with us? And Kaguya's like, Yes. Yeah. And that to me was like super relatable. I don't even know why this thing is relatable. Cause if you think about it, it's like what is, I don't know, like, I don't see the immediate advantage of getting close to the inner circle of your crush. I mean, I see yeah. some advantage, but it's not like you're getting, like, just because you're getting close to his sister doesn't mean, I don't know, I don't know. Right, yeah. Again, it's like. But we do it anyway. It's right. like you grasp at any chance to be I close think, to this person. Exactly, like, I think it's like that situation of like, um, I don't know, like, you just, you know that this person is close with your crush or whatever yeah and it's like yeah. oh you just want to have like another thing in common with them yes maybe, you want to have maybe, that like yeah. mutual connection yeah, yeah. yeah oh my god are you ready for the next one <laughs> so the next one is the umbrella skit guys mm. oh my god so basically this is a skit that happens where um it's raining and Kaguya is like looking out the window and she's seeing all these couples sharing an umbrella. And that's a trope, right? Sharing an umbrella with your yeah, crush or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a status symbol when you're like sharing an umbrella with someone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, actually, both Kaguya and Miyuki know that it's raining and they want the other person to offer their umbrella. Right. <laughs> and basically they get outside. They're standing outside. They're looking at the rain. And at the same time, they're like, oh, I forgot my umbrella. But they say it at the same time. And so then now they're like stuck in this situation. So three, two, one. Absurd. absurd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, why don't you start okay. this one off? Absurd because yeah. I think it's just because I can't wrap my head around the umbrella thing being a status symbol. Mm. Because they kind of go into the, during the episode, they kind of go into the idea of like people seeing the two of you being under the same umbrella and then being like, oh, that must mean that they're together. Right. Maybe this is more of <laughs> an Asian thing. Maybe. And for me personally, it's like, if I be see two practical. people under an umbrella, it's like, it's because they both don't want to be in the frame. <laughs> like, like, that makes no sense to me. I actually am a little bit on the other side where I... I do understand like the trope of it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, maybe it is more of an Asian thing um, mm. because I, I I don't know. I saw so many couples sharing an umbrella when I lived <laughs> in Korea. Like, guys, it's an umbrella. Be practical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is following each other on social media. Now, when I say following, I don't just mean like the formal following. I mean like following, like stalking each other on social media. Mm. Okay. Ready? Okay, fine. Yeah, go. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Relatable. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, there are definitely moments where it's like, yeah, when you're like interested in someone, you're kind of like, I don't know, the social media is like the window to the soul. So mm. like, you do kind of look at their stories all the time. You do kind of see like what they're doing on the weekend all the time. And it's like, you yeah. kind of can't help but check, right? Like, even if you don't really mm-hmm. want to. So. Mm-hmm. I've I've never obsessively stalked, but I've definitely like checked someone's profile so much that they get like pushed to the top of my like Instagram timeline all the time. So yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that. Me too. Um, the thing about social media is that I think 
people do expect to be stopped, yes. which is why you yeah. like accumulate like a feed, you curate it, aesthetic, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can really try, like, you can really glean a lot from looking at somebody's social media. Yeah, and I think that the whole idea of like quote unquote stalking is like you just want to know what's going on in that person's head and what is going on with that person. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you are hindered by. Like, just in the case of Kageya and Miyuki, by pride. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to ask. You don't want to ask to be like, hey, what are you doing right now? Even though you want to know. Because I think I think that, like, hey, what you do in text <laughs> is like... <laughs> There's so much That's... meaning attributed to <laughs> yeah. that text. Yeah, so yeah. you don't want to, like, say it, but you will, like, want to know what's up with them. Because exactly. you care about them. Yeah. Okay, next one. Wondering if you should be complimenting someone. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one relatable (laughs) (laughs) okay i guess i'll go i just find this show very relatable i guess maybe it does come back to the thing of me being an extrovert and being an introvert but i just think that if i have an opportunity to make somebody's day Mm. and and like make Mm. them feel better about something like if you just i don't know like if you got something done physically it's like good for you like and if it looks good I'll say like I think that looks great yeah. right if I just so happen to have feelings for that person that's my and own so fault. Be it. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but like if it's if it genuinely is like nice then like why not just say something right right I actually I, I get that and I think in the context of the show it's definitely absurd I think the way that I was mm-hmm. looking at it was more like man I, I do get like caught up sometimes about like if I'm not super close with someone, like how comfortable I would be like making it known that like, oh, I noticed this thing about you. Obviously, right, if it's right. like a a physical thing, like very obvious, like a haircut or something mm-hmm, like that, then mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. But again, like I'm just more of an introverted person. So I do right. like, I I think a lot before I say <laughs> something to someone that uh-huh, I'm not uh-huh. like very close to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fair. Um, lying about <laughs> knowing how to do something. Oh, how to do something in general? Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so the situation from the episode was Miyuki lying about knowing how to speak French. <laughs> okay, absurd or relatable? Lying about knowing how to do something or a skill or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Absurd. absurd. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was on the fence about this. Um, the reason that I do think it's absurd is because I don't think I've ever lied to the point where I've been like backed into a corner about things. Like I've actually never Mm. found myself in a situation where I've pretended to even be like interested or knowledgeable about a thing that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why. Like, I think it's more like I don't want to ever be in a situation where I have to like pretend because I like don't want that to like bite me in the butt later you know what I yeah. mean yeah mm-hmm. it's so much more embarrassing exactly to, for the other person to realize that you're not yeah. actually into that or you're not actually good at that yeah so it's like I'd rather just not yeah and I think that like sometimes I just like tend to focus more on like what you do have in common with someone or like what you can mm-hmm. do well mm-hmm. so the next mm-hmm. one is um psychology test and relationship advice so wanting to know what they think about love. So, okay, if that's confusing, I guess this, for context, in the show, um, 
this is like there's like a scene where the squad is like taking some kind of like online quiz three two one relatable Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) okay relatable because yeah for me it goes back to the social media thing where it's like i want to know what they're thinking Uh but this one is like kind of the next level because it's like i want to know what they're thinking in terms of like love (laughs) yeah yeah. and then in your mind you're like are we gonna be compatible (laughs) exactly exactly, stuff like that i really like the myers-briggs personality test (laughs) like you know how some people are super into horoscopes i'm like Mm -hmm. super into the (laughs) myers-briggs to the point where like i like guessing people's myers-briggs like yeah that's like their letters um Mm -hmm. so yeah like i'm i'm like all about like like what's your have you ever done the Myers-Briggs test like what are you like is that compatible Wait, do you know what I am you are are you an ENFP yeah okay yeah you have like strong you, ENFP you energy I N T T F F I won't say it, I won't say it. INFP that's a good guess INF INFJ INFJ. Yeah. I don't know. I just like relate to that. I I like personality quizzes. I love an Mm. algorithm telling me who I am so I don't have to figure (laughs) it out for myself. You know what I mean? Okay. Last one. Mm -hmm. The whole phrase (laughs) I'm not dating because I don't want to. I want to be single. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Relatable. Relatable. I knew. I knew this was going to be relatable for the two of yeah. us. Um, well, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, honestly, when I say it, I kind of mean it. I think that there are maybe moments when I was younger. I had moments where um, I was like, is something wrong with me that I'm like not in a relationship and that I don't actively pursue one? Because mm-hmm. I've, I don't know about you, but I have been put on the spot on multiple occasions in friend groups, um, amongst family, like they're just like, you know, like people ask like invasive questions like that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. it's common talk with like people that you're semi-close to, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, like you're not in a relationship? Oh, why? Oh, like you don't want to be in one? Like why? Mm -hmm. It's -hmm. just like, and then you will give the most basic answer and it's just like, oh, I just like not actively looking for one, not opposed to one. Mm That's mm-hmm. just like where I'm at in life. And they're like, right. oh, but like, <laughs> it's like, this is the time to be doing that stuff. It's like, I don't know. I also yeah. though, relate to like using the phrase as like a defense mechanism. Like I relate to both, I guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So mm-hmm. yeah. For me, I think it's like, I don't like the idea of not being in a relationship because of a particular reason. Like, right. like yeah. I'm open to it, but also it's like, I'm not going to force myself into one. Yeah. I'm not going to pursue one just because I feel like that's the missing piece of my life right. or whatever, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't like the idea of be like not being in a relationship and having, uh, and having there be like, a, a definitive causal reason for that exactly like, because right? i'm not looking like i don't want to be in one like just because i i'm not in one doesn't mean i don't want to be in one yeah right? it just means that maybe it's not the right time it's not the right person mm. blah 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 it's not the right circumstances and i also think that like i feel a lot of things when it comes to um like com- 
the expe- expectation that at this age you should be at a certain um, you should have had a certain amount of life experiences mm. like as if like mm. life is a video game and like at this point <laughs> at this point in the game you should have already done all these yeah. dungeons like you know what I, I mean like I don't know I feel that way about a lot of things where it's like the amount of people that have gotten engaged during quarantine that I know <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like sometimes you're in social situations I feel like super weird about like people being like all up in your business like as if there mm. needs to be a reason, right? Like, what if I'm just, like, living my mm. life, you know? <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm happy. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that brings us to the end. That was a very, like, I think that's the most cohesive, articulate we've ever been during Dumpster Fire. Usually we're just, like... <laughs> but that was fun. Usually we're just, like, <laughs> screaming about, like, dumb stuff. Let's go on to our ratings. I'm going to give this show a four out of five volleyballs. Um, I chose <laughs> I chose volleyballs because um, the volleyball skit is like my favorite skit. And I think it was like it it happened in like early on in the show. And that's kind of when I realized that I was really going to like it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like Chica has like the funny her funniest line in the season when she's like <laughs> when she sees like how well Miyuki is actually playing now. And she like turns like 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 a zombie to Kagen and is like, I raised that boy. And I was like, that is Literally so on brand for us. The funniest It's her best line in the show, show, in the season. Um, yeah, she was like proud mom energy. And I'm like, that's me. That's us. We're always like adopting Gosh. characters. Um, and then I chose four out of five. I really wrestled with this because I was like, oh, do I want to like bump it up? Like, is it a four mm-hmm. and a half? Because it was like, I liked yeah. it so much. Um, The only reason I'm going to give it a solid four is because I think personally, I I really like resonate with shows like that are very character driven. Um, And this is just not a character driven show. And that's okay. It's still a really great show to the point where I actually had basically zero bad things to say about it. Yeah, so yeah I think it's like a solid four like it's really good I would practically recommend it to anyone um <laughs> it's mm-hmm. funny it is lighthearted. it's so refreshing and it's just some of the best depictions of teenagers I've ever seen um yeah. and it's a very surprisingly layered show but it doesn't have um deep characters so that's why it's a four I'm also going to give a four out of five yes. cat ears. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone who's seen the show, they will know that cat ears, they're basically the fifth character of the whole Oh, my God. Show. Yeah. <laughs> um, four out of five. You know what? A lot of the same reasons you brought up. I do think that for what it set out to do, we say this a lot, yeah. you know, like we really mm. and I think it's it's good because it's like like a show might not be up to somebody's taste exactly but if it accomplished what it set out to do then that's a success right you know yeah. in our books mm-hmm. so for the four because it does what it sets out to do and it does it extremely so well. well like we were laughing yeah. out loud and i don't think we laugh this much for any other anime that we've covered before yeah at least on this podcast yeah so it was so funny it was so enjoyable and lighthearted. Um, but. Mm-hmm. There was no point where I was where we were like, this is groundbreakingly new. Yeah, this yeah. is so, you know, never before seen. Yeah. Um, and I think that 
is what warrants a five. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a really good show. And I also am just not giving it a 4.5 because I do think that we have to be, you know, we're, we're trying to be a little strict with our ratings. I yeah, feel. I mean, I think for me, it's more like anything more than a four is like, it really yeah. personally spoke to my soul on some level. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, and again, like that's that's just like, like ratings are so subjective, right? Like mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think like not everything that I consume has to speak to my soul, right? Like Definitely. it's like I don't have – I can give something a two or a three and still have really loved it. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that if we were like huge comedy fans – Right. Yeah. I mean I love – funny stuff i love laughing but like i'm not like you know i'm not well versed in comedy it's, comedy isn't the first thing i reach for when i'm like trying to decide what to watch mm-hmm. and so because of that i don't know a lot about it mm-hmm. and so to me it's like you know anything is funny for humor um but, but you know still i really had a good time watching this yes. i would also recommend it to anybody mm-hmm. um and i just went away with this show with good vibes such good vibes good. yeah so thank you everybody for making it this far yes. into our episode we know it wasn't easy <laughs> but nonetheless please subscribe and follow us find us wherever you get your podcasts be that spotify apple google youtube we're also on twitter at into the workshop and that wraps up this episode (gasps) we'll see you guys for a special episode next very special bye bye